Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Um, the Lord just gave me this today, this morning while I was reading my Bible. And the Lord burdened my heart about this passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. And so I was reading it, and uh, the Lord gave me a message from it called, By His Spirit. And I hope and pray that it's a help to you tonight. Romans chapter 8. Now, I've scared the guys in the back room a little bit because there's about 15 different points. But I'm just going to outline most of, the cha- uh, most of this verse and then just preach on the last three. All right, I just want to get there if I could and leave you with some important thoughts. So Romans chapter 8 tonight, and I'm, I'm going to admit to you something. I'm growing really tired of this format of service. I'm tired of not meeting with God's people, not being in the church uh, house with uh, all of our congregation, and I'm praying, and I hope that you'll pray with me that this is over real soon. It is, uh, it's, it's uh, defeating to the Spirit, and, and I know if it is for me, I still get to come, and I get to sing with these folks, and, and we get to uh, have about 10 of us around here, and we're at Circle 10 meetings, so we're in church four or five times a week still, but it's just not the same as uh, being with an entire congregation and knowing their needs. We feel out of touch at times. Uh, as much as we try to keep in touch with people and know what's going on. And I'm sure for you, it's even worse. And so let's pray together fervently uh, that we hear some good announcements this week and that we start heading in the right direction and that we can be back to church real soon. And uh, normally when I preach, I'm looking at our congregation. Now when I preach, I'm looking at me. There's a monitor in front of me, and I'm looking at myself square in the face, and so I have to see what you have to see normally in a church service, and I, I understand now it's not all that pleasant. But uh, it, it is, uh, I'll just be honest, it's so much easier to preach to a congregation, and uh, when you can get feedback from their eyes, and you can communicate to their needs, and the Spirit of God goes back and forth, and and uh, perhaps if you've ever spoke to a group, a Sunday school, you understand what that is, to, to feel that presence of God's Spirit and communicating back and forth with the people of God. And so let's pray fervently this week that we can get back into church, and uh, let's, let's see what God will do. Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to read one verse. One verse, and we're going to look at it tonight, and uh, that doesn't mean it'll be a short message necessarily. I'm going to tell you a little, let you in on something, I guess. I don't think it's a secret. I don't know how long a message is going to be. When I, when I get up, it's the first time I preached it normally, and so I have no idea, and it doesn't matter how many notes I have. That doesn't determine how long it is. It's just how the Spirit leads me in different directions as we get to each point. And so I, my plan tonight is to go through the first three points very, very quickly. Now, there's a lot of sub-points with each of them, but they'll only be in passing. because I. And so understand this, and, and I'm telling you this for a reason. I'm just giving you the structure of the message so that if you're taking notes or you want to follow along, you can jot these things down quickly and get more depth later on. And then we'll focus on the things that I believe God's laid upon my heart to give some depth to those areas tonight, all right? I don't, wanna, I don't want you to think I'm just skimming over something and leaving it out and maybe something interests you. I'd encourage you to go back and study it yourself. It's important that you do that, all right? So let's look at Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, verse 11. This is a great verse. Uh, I don't know that there's a bad verse in Romans 8. There's not a bad verse in all the Bible, but these are some great verses in Romans chapter 8. But this is a great one that just jumped off the page with, at me today. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, look what it says. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's read it again. Let's do that again. I'm going to take a drink here. My voice has been struggling the last couple times I've been preaching, but I will try to keep it moist tonight. But you read it along right where you are. Read it out loud with me so we can get this verse, all right? Let's read it together. Verse 11. <clears throat> but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, tonight as we look to your word and we look to it tonight uh, hungry, like somebody that has not eaten in days and sits down at a table and is so ready to, to devour what is before them. I pray that you'd give us that same hunger for the word of God tonight. Lord, that you'd open up our eyes to receive it. Lord, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I need your help. And so may the Spirit of God work in my heart and life right now. May you fill me as I surrender to you in the same way that you touched my heart today upon reading this verse. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us as we work our way through the verse. And some will be very quickly. But, Lord, as we get to those principles that you've laid upon my heart... Lord, I pray that it would strengthen the people of God, that it would help us, Lord, to understand that, uh, that, that God is so much bigger than this world and so much bigger than any virus and so much bigger than a pandemic and so much bigger than government control and all the things that, uh, that are oppressing right now, we know that you're bigger and that you can turn it all around in just a moment. So Father, help us, we pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice some things with me in the scripture tonight. And notice, first of all, as we read this, this simple verse, that we know that it's a promise from God. The Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Very simply put, it is a promise about the resurrection. It's a promise of that day where we will be raised, where the Bible calls it this in 1 Corinthians, that the corruption shall put on incorruption and mortality shall put on immortality. This seed that is sown in dishonor shall be raised in honor. God will do a work in our lives and bring us back from the grave if he tarries his coming. We look forward to that day. We look forward to that resurrection because it's not just resurrection, it's also a reunion. It's a time where the Bible says that the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, and forever shall we be with the Lord. What a wonderful reunion that will be on that glorious day. We sing that song, what a day that will be when and my Jesus I shall see, and that will be it. Whether it's through resurrection or rapture, we will meet Jesus face to face. As we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, I want you to notice with me some things, and I'm going to point them out quickly. First of all, we notice an all-important premise. An all-important premise. Notice that word right at the beginning, but if. But if. 
There's a premise here. There is something that is promised if we will only do something else. The Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. The promise is only realized in our lives that if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I want you to notice tonight that as we think about this premise, first of all, it is exclusive to the saint. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. We know that Jesus said that his spirit is a quickening spirit. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that we were dead in trespasses and sins, but you hath he quickened. That is to make alive. He that hath the Son hath life. And if we have the Spirit of God, we have life. He has made us alive. It is exclusive to the saint. Friends, if you're going to know this Spirit tonight, if you are going to know what it is like to have the Spirit of Him that raised, think about that, had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, that Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God, if we are going to know Him dwelling in our lives, if He is going to be a part of us, if He's going to walk with us, if He is going to confront us with our sins, if He is going to comfort us in our grief, if He is going to never leave us nor forsake us, we must know Him, Jesus Christ. To know him is to know life eternal. It is exclusive to the saint. This spirit doesn't come in any other way. This goes without saying, but because it is exclusive to the saint, it excludes the sinner. If you're not saved tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know what it is when we talk about the Spirit of God. You know him as the third person of the Trinity, co-equal with God, existing eternally. You know that he is that force that Jesus said would come. He said, it's expedient for you that I must go, but I will not leave you comfortless, for my comforter will come. Uh, we know that he is the one that indwells the saint, that he is one that comes into our lives and fills us uh, for those moments of powerful service we know who he is but do you know him personally if you're not saved tonight it excludes you from this promise that is made with this all-important premise thirdly we notice that it exemplifies the spirit can i just say that this premise tonight that he gives us but if this spirit dwells in you know this it's not about you it's about him it exemplifies the Spirit. It exalts the Spirit. Notice what he says, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. You cannot raise yourself from the dead. You cannot lay down one day and say, I will. There's been all kinds of men throughout the history of time that have said, I will come back. And there's those that say, I'll come back as a spirit or I'll come back in body. And there's been hoaxes generated throughout centuries, but no man ever raised from the grave save Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that his spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will also raise you from the dead. Oh, there were others that came back from the grave but none of them came back apart from Jesus. Lazarus and other saints that rose upon the day of his crucifixion. But it took the Spirit of God to raise them. It exemplifies the Spirit, and therefore this also goes without saying, it empties us of self. It empties us of self. Read verse 11 again as we think about this all-important premise. 
But if, if you have the Spirit, I'm just going to paraphrase, if you know the Spirit of God is dwelling within your heart, if you have the Spirit of Him and the Spirit of Him has you, the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, understand this, you will look at this verse, verse 11, and if you read it from top to bottom, you will not find one ounce of your own power. It not only exemplifies the Spirit, but it empties of self. It is a humbling thought to know that there is nothing we can do. It's all of Him. That's the all-important premise. Let me ask you, is that the spirit that you have? You know, there's lots of spirits out there. There's lots of spirits out there. The Bible says this is the spirit of Antichrist. There are a lot of false prophets out there, and they are the spirit of Antichrist. There are people in the church that have the wrong spirits. Perhaps they're not saved. Listen, make, being a church member does not make you saved. It does not mean you possess the Spirit of God and, and you can have a sour attitude and a sour spirit and you can be given over to the devil just as sure as you can be filled with the Spirit of God. I didn't say you could be possessed. I didn't say that a, a, an evil demon could in, in, indwell you in any way. I'm just here to tell you that you can be oppressed and you can be influenced and you can act like the devil. And friends, that is a wicked spirit, not from God. The spirit of gossip, the spirit of the Pharisees we talked about this morning, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of deceit, all coming from the wrong spirit. But if you truly have the spirit of Christ, it'll exemplify him and it'll empty you of self. It won't be about you any longer. It's an all-important premise. Friends, let me ask you, do you have the spirit? Because if you have him, it'll change your life. But I want you to notice, secondly... In this passage, this verse tonight, I see an apparent problem. I see an all-important premise, but I see an apparent problem. Notice what it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. The problem I see is, first of all, an implied situation. The fact that we need to be raised from the dead implies that we are dead. That we are lost without Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 10, the verse right before, states it implicitly. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 states it implicitly. You hath he quickened who were dead. In trespasses and sins, there's a situation that we find ourselves in, and it's a situation called death, death because the wages of sin is death. The Bible says in John chapter 3, in verse 17, that if we reject Jesus Christ, we are condemned already. We are dead in sins. I see an implied situation. It's implied because it doesn't state it explicitly, but the fact that we, that we must be resurrected, that we must be quickened, and that our bodies are mortal means that we will all die. But I want you to notice, not only is there an implied situation, there's an internal solution. Notice what he says. Also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit, but where is it? That dwelleth in you. Do you understand this tonight? That that Holy Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you, if it dwells in you, has the power to raise you from the dead. 
It's not an external force. Jesus will not stand over your grave and say, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says the spirit is dwelling in you. He's right there. And he's watching over you and he's comforting you and he's convicting you of sin and he's walking with you day by day and he's that still small voice that guides you. But one day that voice will call you forth from the grave. The problem we have is that we have this thing called death, but the solution is the spirit of God also. I want you to see thirdly, and we're just moving through the structure here. We see an attractive promise. We see an attractive promise in this verse There's one word that just jumps off the page right near the end of the verse. It's the word quicken. Quicken. To be made alive. I heard the story one time of a fellow that had been in the hospital. He'd been very, very sick. He'd been even in a coma for a short time. And they called the family in two or three times and thought he was going to die. Well, somehow he recovered. The Lord touched him and he, he got strength back and he got better and he, he woke up and, and as he was laying in that bed one day and his family came in to see him and he was wide awake and he was taking some food and he was gaining his strength back and as the days went on, he got stronger and stronger and his family continued to visit with him and finally they, he was sitting up in bed and laughing and joking with them and talking and he said, there's something I wanted to talk to you folks about. He says, When I was laying in my lowest state and it seemed almost certain that I would die, he says, I could hear you talking. And he says, what I heard was you planning my funeral. He says, that was discouraging. He says, I didn't want to hear the details of my funeral. He says, and one of you, and I can't remember or be sure which one it was, but one of you said, well, what would dad say if he were to speak at his own funeral. He says, I thought of an answer. I'd like to look over my own casket and say, look, he's moving. He says, I want to be alive. I don't want to be dead in a casket. I I want to live. And he says, from that moment on, he says, when you were talking about my funeral, something pricked in my heart and it just said, fight. And nobody looks forward to death. We look forward to heaven. But we don't look forward to death. The Bible says there's a promise that is given and it's an attractive promise. He will quicken you. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, he will make you alive. I want you to notice, first of all, it's a promise to resurrect. It's a promise to make you alive, but it's also a promise to redeem. You say, what is the difference? A promise to resurrect is to breathe life into that which is dead. The promise to redeem is to make whole and to make perfect. Look what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. He said, well, is that talking about resurrection? Look what it says next. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of of our bodies. First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us about that redemption of our body when we are snatched forth out of the grave. The body that says this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruption shall put on incorruption. What a wonderful promise of scripture. 
But I wanted you to get this last thing. This last thing. I want to give you an additional principle. Let me give you an additional principle. Let's just stop and slow down here for a moment. We've talked about the problem. We've talked about the all-important premise. We've talked about an apparent problem. We've talked about an attractive promise. But let's just stop and think about some principles now. What does this really mean, this verse 11? Notice a couple phrases with me. If the spirit of him, are you looking in your Bible? If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. All right, now look at another one. Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now just stop and think for a moment. All we have talked about for the last 20 minutes or so is what the Holy Spirit is doing in verse 11. That's it. We talked about the premise. If the Spirit dwells in you. I'll just summarize it that way. We'll just take out a lot of the other words. I'm not not pulling words out of context. But if the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you. If the Spirit dwells in you. That's an important question you must ask yourself. Do you know Jesus Christ? Has the Holy Spirit of God come upon you? Is he bearing witness in your life that you are a child of God? Do you know Christ? Are you saved? Are you transformed? Are you born again? Are you saved? Listen, we could could use all these Bible words, but it all boils down to this. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then we see a problem laid out in Scripture. It implies that he has come to raise the dead. We have a death problem because we have a sin problem. We are lost and bound for hell. We are going to die and go to a physical grave because of sin. All of that has happened because of the fall of man. The Bible says, as by sin, one, or as by one man, sin entered in the world and death by sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that sin it brings forth a death problem and we have the promise of God that we see thirdly that he will re- resurrect us and he will redeem us. Now let me tell you this, this spirit of God that lives within your heart, that dwells within you, that has the power to resurrect you and the power to redeem you. Let me ask you this, is that a big deal? I mean, is that a big thing that the spirit of God can bring somebody back from the dead? Can you think of a bigger miracle? then let me ask you this. Then what else can he do in and through you? If verse 11 teaches us this all-important principle and gives us this all-important promise, if the Spirit of God can bring you back from the dead, let me put it another way. What is it you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid you won't accomplish? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says this, Ye are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I read Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and I say, I believe that. I believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because one day he will raise me from the dead. But let me ask you, is that all he does? We hold on to promises that are down in 
the future somewhere, down in eternity somewhere, when Christ will come and raise us from that. Listen, why are you living a powerless life today? That same spirit that brought back Jesus from the dead, that same spirit that will quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you, that same spirit is greater in you than he that is in the world. That same spirit will will empower you to do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let me give you three simple thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, if we have the spirit of the living God within us, it renews our energy. It renews our energy. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I want to read you a little bit here. There's going to be some scripture for each, so have your Bibles ready. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to your flesh, your flesh is going to die. He said, well, that's talking about sinful things. That's talking about all things. You sow to your flesh. Now, there's some things that will kill your flesh quicker than others. There are some them poisons you can put in your body that will kill you instantly. There are some things that will destroy your mind. There are some things that will destroy your spirit. There are some things that will destroy you physically. We understand that. But it doesn't matter what you sow to your... Listen, somebody said this the other day. It is appointed unto men once to die. And if God calls your name, you're going to heaven, vitamins and all. It doesn't matter how well you think you've taken care of yourself. The, the fellow that started the whole jogging craze died a young death of a heart attack. Uh, it, it's amazing uh, what we think when God calls our name, when God calls us home, we are going no matter how healthy we think we are. But, so when, it doesn't matter what we sow to our flesh, we're still going to corrupt. But notice what he says next. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now let me ask you something. When it talked about sowing to the flesh in verse eight, we assume automatically it's talking about negative things, don't we? We read that and say, "Well, it's talking about bad things because you're going to reap corruption." How come we don't assume that when we're sowing to the spirit? But when we sow to the Spirit, we're thinking, well, we're, we're sowing good things. No, you're sowing to both. And as we sow to the Spirit, he says, as we nurture the Spirit, as we feed the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And look at the very next verse. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see the connection between the Spirit of God and A spiritual renewal. He says, if we sow to the Spirit, we shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting and be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, when we walk in the Spirit of God, it renews our energy. It strengthens us day by day. Uh, we, We recognize His mercy in our life, and we know His grace to be true, and that strengthens us and helps us to take on the day. I think one of the greatest troublesome things of this whole pandemic 
is the discouragement that has taken root in a lot of people. Because sitting at home, the Bible, uh, or not the Bible, but a lot of people have said this, idle hands are the devil's workshop. The Bible talks about the devil being a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we know that a lion always picks off the one that is alone. It seems that as folks get alone and are locked in their homes that the devil attacks. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the Spirit of God wants to renew you. He says, keep going. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's a principle of Scripture that the Spirit renews us. But also I want you to notice that it makes us responsible for our errors. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, this thought that the Spirit of God is within us makes us responsible for our errors. Turn back to Galatians 5, just one page. He said, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. If the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the grave dwelleth in you, and he will one day raise us, quicken our mortal bodies. If he has the power to do that, all of our sin, all of the evils that we commit, all of our wrongs, those are when we are not listening to the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says he dwells within us. That is not of God. That is of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. This I say then. Walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit. Ye are not under the law. Some might say, well, I, I struggle walking in the Spirit. I understand. Somebody else might say, well, I don't even know how to get in touch with the Spirit. Let me tell you this. If you're a child of God, He dwells in you. He's right there. He's not far off. I think it's just maybe a, a matter of we need to stop and listen. We need to allow Him to prick our conscience. We need to pray, God, give me a greater sensitivity to sin. I've, I've gone off track here. I've, I, I'm numb to the things that, that used to convict me. God, I need Your Spirit to guide me. And we need to take responsibility for the evils in our lives because they are not of God. They are not of the Spirit. It says, if we are led of the Spirit, we will not walk in the flesh and fulfill the lust of the flesh. On the other hand, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, against which there is no law. All these things are evident in our lives when we surrender to the Spirit of God that is within us. So he renews our energy. He makes us responsible for our evils. But I really want to give you this last one. If we understand that the Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells within us, it removes all of our excuses. It removes all of our excuses. Why are we not living victorious lives? Why are we not a mighty, victorious army of God? The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Anytime you read in the Bible about what the Spirit of God does for you, it's always positive. It's never negative. Oh, but he convicts me of sin. That's a, 
No, 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 that's a positive thing. That's to clean your life. That's to make you more Christ-like. That's to clean you up that you might be an empty vessel that can be used of God. That's so he can empower you again to have victory. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, our chapter tonight, that if God be for us, who can be against us? God has also in the Bible says he's predestined us to be conformed to the image of the Son. He's making us more like Jesus Christ. That spirit that dwells within us removes all of our excuses. I'll never be able to stand before God and say, God, I just wasn't able to accomplish what you wanted me to do. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's a little bit eye-opening to me that if Romans chapter 8 says, if the spirit that raised Christ from the grave dwells in me, And one day he's going to quicken this mortal body. I have no excuse whatsoever for whatever it is I think I can't do. For whatever it is I think I can't have victory over. For whatever it is that is holding me back from serving God perfectly. Because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me just encourage you right now to bow your head and close your eyes where we are. Let me ask you this. What's holding you back? What is your excuse? I've had a lot of people come to me and I'll, I'll say, hey, why don't, you, why don't you do a devotion? Well, you know, if it's really not my thing. Why don't you help in a Sunday school? Well, I, I don't know. I just don't feel equipped to do that. Why don't you help on a bus? Well, I just don't. Would you go soul winning? No. Yet you expect the Spirit of God that is within you to raise you from the dead. But we can't do simple things for Christ. That's why I'm afraid. That's not the Spirit that comes from God. So I'm weak. Weakness doesn't come from God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's the Spirit of God that dwells within you. We are to be a powerful, mighty army. They say, well, what do you expect me to be the Apostle Paul? I don't expect you to be Paul, but I know that the same Spirit that dwelt in Paul dwells in you. And we stand without excuse if we'll live by His Spirit.